Praise the Lord. I'm glad we made it out in the cold tundra this morning. You know, we were sharing during the prayer time uh, just the, in, in life, you know, where we celebrate a brand new baby coming into this world. At the same time, we grieve the loss of a brother. Um, that is the is life. It's hard. It's tough. And um, as we come today to continue into in the study of Nehemiah, I just pray that we will uh, understand that God is just there waiting for us to come talk to him, to come ask him for direction, come ask him for provision, just to come to him, to learn how to come to him in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for that, for the worship time, and we thank you for the greeting time, and we thank you that we can come together. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people. We do pray for those that are sick today, in those, even in our midst that are sick, those that weren't able to make it today because they were sick. And Father, uh, I just pray your healing hand upon them and, and, and be with the, uh, we celebrate this new birth of, of a little tiny boy and we just also grieve the loss of a, a dear brother and we pray for their family. And Father, be with us now, Lord, and, and, and speak to us. Tell us, speak to us as to how you want to speak to us regarding this uh, as we look into Nehemiah and what you would have to say to us personally and corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we looked at the first chapter in Nehemiah. We, we heard there at the very beginning of chapter 1 how uh, Nehemiah, a cupbearer for the king, um, a brother of his and, and, and uh, some other men came and he questioned them about uh, the Jewish remnant in Jerusalem and uh, that had survived the exile. Uh, exile. So at the beginning of verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, Then they said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned and with fire. And then when he heard these things, he says he sat down and he wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then we went into his prayer last week and this idea that he had heard about his countrymen, he'd heard about his people, heard about his hometown, that they were in disgrace, they were in trouble, and that broke his heart, caused him to go to God. And when we come to chapter 2, It starts out in here, in chapter 2, it says, In the month of Nisan, now when he started praying, it was Kislev. Nisan's in the springtime. It's about a four-month period here that he was praying. We've got to get this idea. It It wasn't like he prayed for a few days. He was praying for four months, approximately four months. And this was constantly on his mind. And so when it comes to the month of Nisan here in the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was brought for him, remember he was a, a cupbearer bringing the wine. He says, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Then he says here, I had not been sad in his presence before. 
So the king asked me, why did your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And, he, and of course it says here, I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the king, to the God of heaven. Now he'd been praying for four months, but here he's asked this question. But right before he answers, it's like he has this prayer. I mean, how fast that must be in his mind because he's got to answer the king. He can't stand there forever. And he says a quick prayer, and then he answers the king. And he says, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, well, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? Pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber and make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. Remember, right at the end of chapter 1, he had prayed, starting at verse 10. He said, they are your servants, as he's praying, and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. And he says, verse 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your, this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Then he goes before the king. So this is, this is the beginning story of, of Nehemiah, a, a cupbearer. Just picture him going before this king. Not everyone was chosen for this job, but it was his season to be this cupbearer. He would take a cup of wine, they say that what they would, he would do would be pour wine in the palm of his hand and then drink that wine in the palm of his hand. And if there was no poison in it, he didn't keel over, he'd give the cup to the, to the king. So he's very close to the king. And one of the things in here, you see where the king says to him right away, that uh, why, why, is your face, why does your face look so sad when you were not ill? Now that, that, that t- took some confidence on behalf of Nehemiah to display uh, a countenance of sadness because that was that could that could in some cases with some kings have him put to death have the cupbearer put to death I don't know if you knew that or not and but but Nehemiah was sad now the Bible uh, tells us in Proverbs 15 13 that a glad heart makes a cheerful face so we you know sometimes uh, you know you might look at me and think, "Are you okay?" You know, or I might look at you and say, "Are you okay?" Because our face, our countenance is—it looks sad because of the things that are, that are going on. And of course, that proverb fits, 
finishes out, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. So the crushed spirit, Nehemiah's heart was crushed. Nehemiah's heart was sorrowful. He, and, he, and, he, and he didn't have a cheerful face. But before he went to the king, uh, he, he still, I want to just suggest this to you. He still had the ability to, to display a smile, a countenance of cheerfulness in the presence of the king, despite what the proverb says, that a glad heart makes a cheerful face. There's another proverb in Proverbs 14.10 that says, the heart knows its own bitterness. Now, I want you to think about this. When you're sad in your heart, when, you're, when you have had sad news, that yes, your spirit is crushed, but you have the ability to know your own heart. And verse 13 of Proverbs 14, 13 says, even in laughter, the heart may ache. In other words, I'm just saying this to you that your heart may ache, but you can still put a smile on. And if if your life depended upon it, like the cupbearer and typical response for the king, take him out of here, put him to death. I can't have a man like that in front of me. But Nehemiah said all that to say that Nehemiah, it was deliberate that he would come with the countenance. He was ready. He was ready to, the, to respond to the, to the uh, king. And, um, and I want to suggest to you today that before, before this took place in chapter 2, Nehemiah knew who to ask, knew who to seek, to, give, to bring help, that he, the help that he needed, the answers that he needed. And of course, we could, we could get this in kindergarten, right? You get this in kindergarten right now. Kindergarten gardener could get this. He went to God. He went, he went to the one who can, who knows all things, who's omnipotent and omniscient. And, and that's where he went. And that's where he went. And he spent four months in his face with him. You know, in the, book of, in the book of Daniel, Daniel did very similar than Nehemiah did. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 3, and if you look at chapter 9 of Daniel, it's a very similar, similar prayer that, ne- that Nehemiah prayed. And in, it says this, Then I turned by face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I think it's the, the King James that says, I set my face unto the Lord. This is, this is critical. When we're in trouble, we've got to know who to ask. We've got to know who the first, the first place to go to do our asking. And Nehemiah knew who that was. Nehemiah knew that the, place, the first place to ask is he sought God first. And Daniel did the same thing when he says, I set my face unto the Lord. The second thing that Nehemiah knew, not only did he know who to ask, which was God, before he was going to go before the king, he knew how to ask. He knew how to ask the heavenly father for his favor, he basically just said, I asked the Lord, he asked the Lord 
for his ears to be open, for his eyes to be attentive, and ask God to prosper him, him as a servant and grant him mercy. He knew who to ask. And then he knew how to ask. In other words, when he asked God, here's what he did. He confessed his sin, and he confessed the sins of his fathers. He confessed the sins of all those around him. And sin is very, very important to confess before God. God doesn't like sin in his midst. In Sunday school class this morning, they were talking about the sin of Achan. And here, here's, a, here's a, all the people, all the people in the camp affected by one man's sin. They couldn't even fight battle. They failed in the battle. Why? Because one man was in sin. And so he knew, he knew who to ask. He sought God first. He knew how to ask. In other words, I'm going to first of all begin with a confession. And he practiced that knowing how when he came before the king, when the king said to him, what is it you want? What is it you want? And when, it, when he answered the king, depending on your translation, when he, when he uh, asked him, he says, if it pleased the king, if it pleased the king. Now, I just throw that out there for you to contemplate this, look at this passage, and then go through various scriptures and, and, and ask yourself, what do I do with my trouble? What do I do about distress? What do I do about disgrace? Not only in my own life, but maybe in our community, maybe in our family. Do I know who to go to? Do I know who to ask for us? And do I know how to ask? Nehemiah knew how to ask. He says, if it please the king. And then he went on with his request. Now, for the sake of the day, you know, you, you all want to get home and get, keep your fire burning at home. Nehemiah not only knew who to ask, not only did he know how to ask, but he knew what to ask for. He knew what he needed. Now, how did he know what he needed? Because he spent four months talking to God about the situation and how his heart was broken. And we have to understand that. The, 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 great, the great preacher Spurgeon uh, made this comment about praying, and he says, to have prayed well is to have studied well. When we pray well, when we pray hard, when we pray deeply, when we pray long, in a sense, it's like studying well. God begins to speak to us and give us direction. He gives us ideas that we didn't have before we prayed. He, give, he will give you direction. He will teach you how to ask for what it is you need to repair the disgrace and the dishonor that you are experiencing or that you are seeing in your family or in your friends or in your community or at your work. He will do this as you pray. 
So when you pray, and it's just like studying, you can study all the scriptures and have it academically in your heart, but taking that study and then putting it to prayer, it is is as well as study. It it increases your study. It blesses your study. Set your face before God. You'll know how to ask. You ask in such a way, without a demand, if it pleases the king. And then Nehemiah knew what to ask for. He knew for him to go to Jerusalem that he needed a safe passage. He needed to get there safely. He needed letters written by the king to pass him on through, to get him to Jerusalem so that he wouldn't be robbed and, 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 and uh, maligned on the way. He also knew that he needed sufficient provision to take care of the building that he was going to have to do when he got there. He'd heard that the... the The gates were burned down, the walls were down, and he knew provision, four months of praying. He prayed well, which meant he studied the project well. He hadn't seen it yet. We're going to get into when he gets to Jerusalem and he he takes a, a gander around Jerusalem and gets a good picture of it, right eyes to visual. All he's had right now is heard about it, prayed about it, and got this insight from God as to how to ask the king and what to ask for. And then what God did was, he then, when the king said, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. Four months of preparation, knowing who to go to, knowing how to talk to him, and knowing what to ask for. And then God granted the requests. All right, you say, well, gee, well, that was great. I could have figured that out. I could have looked at that. And what, is, now, what are you telling me that for? Because we see, this as, we see this way in which Nehemiah went before God with the idea of disgrace and trouble is the way that Jesus asked the way Jesus lived. Jesus was God, but he was fully man. And when he walked on this earth, and he, he came because we were in trouble, because we were in, we're in disgrace, because we're lost and we need to be found, and Jesus knew who to ask. He sought God first. He always went to the Father. He always went and spent time with the Father. Then he spent time with the people, and he had disciples, then he had the crowds, but he always got away to be with the Father because he knew who he really needed to ask, and he really knew that if he prayed well, it was just like studying well the whole thing and to get answers as to how to keep going and to keep be, be strengthened. Even Jesus, because he was fully man, yes, fully God, but he sought God first. He was, God was always first. And we see that. We see his going to God first when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. 
right before he went to the crucifixion. He takes his disciples with him, and he says, you, you stay over here and, and you stay awake. I've got to go over here, and I've got to talk to the Father. And he has a conversation with the Father. And in Matthew 26, it's given to us here that Jesus went in, in uh, chapter 26, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, you sit here while I go there and pray. Where is he going? He knew he needed to ask the Father. He knew who to ask. He sought God first. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, it says in here, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Does that remind you of Nehemiah? He was troubled, he wept, he was brokenhearted. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. So he knew who to ask. And there he is in the Garden of Gethsemane with God, telling his disciples, who now, by now, probably even now, they're already asleep. Remember, they fell asleep. They couldn't stay awake. Just kind of like sometimes you might do in the morning sermon. You know, you off the nod, can't stay awake. It's hard. And I know it's not always energetic and all that kind of stuff, but we're going to try and keep you awake. But even Jesus couldn't keep the disciples awake. They fell asleep. So we shouldn't get too down on people that fall asleep in the congregation during the sermon, right? But he is there. And then he knew who to go to first, Jesus did. And he knew how to ask the Father. He knew how to ask. And it's displayed right here. When he says, verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If it pleases the king, Nehemiah said. Jesus got before the father and said, if it is your will, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he kept going back. And in verse 42, he says he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, the, the, Jesus knew that he needed to go to God first. That's what your first ask is God. Then how do you ask if it pleases the king? If it be your will. Jesus modeled it for us. And he goes on, of course, after that. And he rose up from there at verse 46. And he says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. He goes to the cross. Nehemiah knew who to ask. He knew how to ask. And he knew what to ask for. Well, Jesus knew who to go to, yes. But what did he ask for? And I think we find that in, in chapter 17 of the book of John. And I think it's good for us to go there and, and, and just look at this. 
So Jesus knows who to go to. He goes to God. He gets down on his face. He says, if it is your will, so if it pleases the king, just like Nehemiah. And now he goes on in John and he says, verse 3 of chapter chapter 17, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And he goes on and he says, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they've obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. And for I, gave, for I gave them the words you, you give me, and they accepted them. See, he went to the Father, he gets word from the Father, and now he's, given it, he's, he's asking to, for this to be given to the disciples. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. And he goes on and prays. And he talks to me. He said, verse, verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Nehemiah, when he was going to Jerusalem, was asking for a passage. He was asking for provision in order to repair what was a disgrace and what was a reproach at Jerusalem. And Jesus, when he goes to the Father, knows that he's got to go to the cross and he's asking the Father, if it's your will, I'll go. And then he's asking the Father, I don't want to lose any of these people, any of these disciples, and I want more to come to know you. My heart is broken over this. And I want to see people come to know you. Verse 20, it says here of chapter 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you in, in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And he finishes out this prayer. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the repair of, the, of, of souls. This is the life to be given to you and me. Nehemiah was going to go and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild a physical temple. But Jesus, when he came, he knew who to ask. He sought God first. He knew how to ask. God, I know it's your will. If it is your will, if it pleases you, I will go through this, through this cross. And then what I'm asking for is that you don't let any of these 
disciples that you've given me be lost? And of course, if you keep studying our scripture and you keep praying through scripture, he wants no one to be lost. He wants everyone to be found. And so, when I look at this myself, if I see Nehemiah modeling this, well, that was good. But then I see Jesus modeling this, and I say to myself, then what am I doing? If Nehemiah did this, if Nehemiah knew where he needed to go first, and he knew how to ask, and he knew what to ask for, then shouldn't that be a model for me and you? That that when we have a sense that my life is a disgrace, if you only knew my mind and my soul, I'm in deep trouble, and I need to be saved and sanctified and healed, then I need to know who to, who to ask first. And I'm not discrediting any of you, but the first place that I need to go and the first place you need to go, so don't feel like this is, this is mutual, is we all need to go to God first, Him first. And then when we go to Him We say, if it pleases the king. Sometimes we ask uh, when we go to God, uh, and and he gives us in his word, he he tells us, if you ask anything in my name, I'm going to give it to you. He also says, uh, if you ask in his name, according to his will. The Bible is so full of not only who to go ask, which we know it's God, but then how to ask if it be your will, then accomplish this in my life. There's not one of us in here that could could go to God and say, well, if it be your will, I want the disgrace in my life to be healed and changed and I want to be delivered from it, that God is going to say, well, that's not my will. It is his will. It's his will to heal us, to cleanse us, and to empower us and to bless us and to prosper us and to provide all we need, all the provision, everything we need, and a safe passage through life. Nehemiah needed a safe passage to Jerusalem, and he said, if it pleases the king, he knew what he needed, and the king granted it to him. And when we go to Jesus and say, I need a safe passage until God takes me home, well, God has provided everything we need through his word, through fellowship, through his Holy Spirit, and we go to him first, and then we know how to ask him, and we know what to ask for, and he's a God who will be faithful to answer that prayer. And our prayers... As another great commentator said, must always be seconded with our serious endeavors to accomplish it. Otherwise, God's mocked. Listen, in 1 John, let's just finish this to see because I'm I'm saying words, but I'm not going and referring to Scripture. I want to read the Scriptures. And so I want you to go to 1 John. 
want you to go to chapter 5. And look at verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. When you ask, when you ask according to his will. According to his will. When you give yourself in full worship to him, the promise of scripture is, is that you will then know his will. Just by entering in to seek him first, to go to him first, God begins to pour himself into you and all of a sudden his character becomes your character and you're connected with God. And when you ask for things, it's always according to his will because he's directing that prayer. In, in, in John, John 14, the last scripture we'll look at, John 14, Libby 4, 17, John 14, 13, and 17, says this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now what is it that is a disgrace and a reproach in your life? What is going on in your life that you know right now that if you unzipped your human suit, you would be so ashamed and embarrassed? What is it? Well, I want to just tell you, you don't have to tell me that, but I know the one you can go to. If you haven't heard it today, I'm going to say it again. You go to God first. Just like Daniel set his face and went to God first. And if it takes four months, it takes four months. If it takes six months, it takes six months. But as you spend time with God, as you set your face unto the Lord, as you begin to confess that which is inside your soul, which is affecting your life, it's a disgrace, it's a reproach. Not only to God, but to brothers and sisters around you. It, it hinders things. Then you can't go wrong by asking how, knowing how to ask, Lord, I'll need you to cleanse me according to your will. Discipline me, sanctify me, clean me up, fill me up, change me. That is his will. And he's going to answer it. What to ask for? God, I need to be transformed. Oh, Lord, I need to be changed. And I need to be filled. And he can do it. And let me tell you, you won't have to put on a face. You'll have a glad heart. And your face will be cheerful. But the sorrow of the heart is, but by sorrow the heart of the heart, the spirit's crushed. Well, you don't have to walk around with a crushed spirit. God wants to heal you and touch you. Yes, the heart knows its own bitterness. And even in laughter, the heart may ache. 
But Jesus died for you, and he wants you to live for him. Now, who are you going to ask this week? Where's the first place you're going to go this week? When you wake up Monday morning, what's the first thing you're going to do? Well, I want to encourage you, put the Bible by this bed table, get up in the morning and look up first and look into him first, ask him first. A good prayer life is a good study life. You will learn more and glean more in prayer than you will in all the study you could do without prayer. That's the way God works. And I pray you discover that this week. It's all in the asking. Yes, you can ask him for God to open his ears to be attentive to you. You can ask him to prosper you and to grant you mercy. But his will is that you receive him into your life, his blood-cleansing life, his spirit-powered life. He wants to give it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, man. I, I, I pray that I just didn't bring this today for others. I brought it for me because I want to live this too. And I want to I want to fear your name. Teach me, Lord, that to always come to you first. Teach me how to ask according to your will and for the things that please you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And show me what I need, Father, so I can ask for it. Because, Lord, you say if I ask anything according to your name and according to your will, you will give it to me. And, Lord, I want that for us. I, want, I know, I believe that we want this as a church. And we can take this message out into our community because it's a good message. In Jesus' name, amen.